That's the best endorsement I've ever received. It's better than silence. It's better than us just sitting around listening to each other breathing. Uh, Stefan, that was one of my favorite phone calls ever in the entire 10 years that we've done this network and CBS Sports Radio and taking phone calls. I have said over and over again that my favorite calls, my favorite messages on social media are the ones that come from either our active men and women who are serving overseas or deployed in other parts of the country or those who have come back to tell us that they listened while they were away. It is an honor. I If I give you some reason to yell at the radio, to think I'm lost my mind, I have no idea what I'm talking about, that is okay because that is a great distraction from what it is that you're doing. And I'm, I'm so honored that you would choose to listen, even if it is because there's nothing else available. <laughs> it's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio as we move forward and most of the country is now officially into Friday, November 11th, Veterans Day. We're asking you to send names, photos, memories, whatever it is that you would like to share with us on our social media. After Hours CBS is Twitter and then our Facebook page. Uh, already seeing your... Uh, your posts and some of your photos come in. We've got a big community, an active community on Facebook uh, who listens. And you guys are active all hours of the day and night. So I know there's a lot of you that stay engaged that way. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your sacrifices. We're glad that you're home. But I know very often it doesn't come without a price tag. It doesn't come without a cost even after uh, you're done serving. I, you're going to laugh at me, but I will say this. I'm a huge fan of SEAL team. And according to other SEALs and military members who've served, um, sailors, soldiers, it's actually, they do their very best to depict what life is like on the home front. Now, obviously, they have the battles and the explosions and the deployments and all that jazz. Um, but the show also focuses on what it's like when these men come home from their deployments or from their special ops, their special missions. And they don't sugarcoat. On uh, one episode a couple of seasons ago, they dealt with a man who committed suicide because he couldn't get the training for his TBI that he, the, I'm sorry, the, the care for the TBI that he needed. He couldn't get the, he couldn't get through the red tape at the Veterans Hospital, the VA. Uh, there have been other serious issues dealt with. Um, obviously, spouses and families who are left behind, they have to deal with that too. And so I know it's a TV show, but they pride themselves on trying to depict not just life downrange, uh, but also the, the big package and how it affects the people who are around them. And I've learned just in watching documentaries, and I'm a big fan of military history, that I, I remember, I always want to remember, but remembering now that it's not just the men and women who wear the uniforms or who sign up themselves. It's also the people who love them, who have to deal with the ramifications, but also have to deal with the loss or the loneliness being charged with continuing to live life here in the United States without the people that they care about.
And many times that means single moms for long periods of time. Uh, and so we're, we're thinking of you on this Veterans Day. Want you to send your photos and want you to send your memories, your names. And we're sharing those again on Twitter after our CBS or on our Facebook page. And Producer Jay is retweeting those as they come in. We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket can. Our phone number, 855-212-4227. That's 855-212-4CBS. If you are looking for the After Hours Game of the Week, Week 10, uh, we haven't put it up yet. We're still deciding it will be up by the end of the hour, I promise. Um, But there is a poll up with the other football Hey, even as the NFL heads to Germany, you know what Germany cares most about? The other football. (laughs) This this World Cup is all the rage everywhere in the world. And I hope it is here in the United States as well. As many people get snarky, some guy posted on our Facebook page about how disorganized soccer is. I mean, come on. If you don't know what you're watching, of course it looks like it's just a bunch of people running around. And, And I would agree with this point. And I say the same thing about hockey. Those two sports do not translate well on TV. You do not understand the scope of the game. You don't understand the space. You don't understand the speed. And and very often, if you're not looking at it from a bird's eye perch, in fact, there's a lot of characteristics of soccer in hockey and vice versa. Smaller surfaces, different surface, but you know what I'm saying. If you don't have any idea what's happening in hockey and what the responsibilities are for the, the various players that are out there, you would think they're just skating around with no intent as well. So, yeah, if you don't know what you're watching, of course it looks like something you can't understand. You say the same thing about football. If you don't know what you're watching, you don't understand the rules and why there's flags and who's doing what and who can't do what. That that really goes for pretty much every sport except for, and I guess, basketball too, although there's only 10 players out there. It would be the same for really any sport. Rugby, field hockey, lacrosse. I mean, all of those sports. And interestingly enough, there are characteristics of soccer in all of those. Uh, just the idea is that you cannot use your hands. Okay, if you know that, you're halfway there. <laughs> so we've got the World Cup very soon. Yes, Germany cares more about the World Cup and upcoming games and matches than it does about football. But this is our first game ever in Germany uh, as the NFL sends the Seahawks and the Buccaneers to get to Munich. And I, if I remember correctly, um, the Seahawks were traveling well, yesterday. And so they're there now. I, I'm assuming the Buccaneers are there as well. I know that the NFL Network, which is carrying this game on Sunday morning, has been there all week long. They've had crews there going back to Monday once they finished week nine in the NFL. So we'll let you hear from Pete Carroll, from Geno Smith, uh, the opportunity for the NFL to showcase its wares in Germany. I don't know how they do this. Germany had to bid for it if Germany's paying a lot of money for the NFL or if it's the opposite. If the NFL is saying, we'll pay for everything, we just want the opportunity to play in your city. So we'll get that game of the week poll up, but that's a doozy. I know the Buccaneers are not above 500, but as we talked with Trent Green on our last show, he said he believes a game-winning drive like what we saw from Tom Brady and the Buccaneers Scotty Miller, Kate Otten, it was it was amazing how they 
locked in and found a rhythm and the offensive line did its job and they were able to move the ball so efficiently and paint the sidelines and get into the end zone with just nine seconds to go, that can be such a springboard and such a turning point for a team, especially when you've got veterans who recognize you can't waste these wins and it's so hard to win. I mean, what have we heard from Aaron Rodgers? If we can just get one win, just one win. Side note, I received a signed Hall of Fame jersey from Leroy Butler. He's very kind to send me one. We finally had a chance to connect week two when I was in Green Bay for the Packers alumni game. Anyway, I've been waiting for the Packers to win so that I could share a photo feeling like it it will get lost and people won't care as much and there won't be as good a feeling around it if I do it after another brutal loss. And here they are, five losses in a row. It's been six weeks. I haven't been able to share the photo of my jersey yet. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> Ouch. Okay, Aaron Rodgers, we'll see about that. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. A couple of more serious matters that you may have uh, seen the headlines for on Thursday. The Washington Commanders are in even more hot water than we thought. Time to pile on. And this is D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine as he announces a lawsuit against Daniel Snyder, against the Commanders, against the NFL, and against Commissioner Roger Goodell. We allege that Mr. Snyder lied to D.C. consumers when he denied knowing anything, anything about the allegations of a hostile work environment and culture of sexual harassment. He directed his employees to create voyeuristic videos of partially clad cheerleaders from calendar shoots, from footage that the cheerleaders had no idea even existed. When Mr. Snyder was told about allegations of male executives and employees making unwanted sexual comments and propositions toward other employees, he was often dismissive, and you know the trick. He blamed repeatedly the victims. That word trick stood out to me. It is definitely an age-old trick. When you are top of the food chain, deny, deny, deny. I had no idea this was going on. I don't know what you're talking about. I wasn't in the office when this was happening. I wasn't connected to this. But there are emails which calls to mind the millions, okay, maybe not that many, tens of thousands of emails that the NFL had access to in the course of its investigation going back, what was it, two years ago? And what were the only emails leaked from that investigation? The ones that John Gruden sent. Not excusing him, of course. He's responsible for what he writes and sends electronically. And he paid a steep price for it. But those were the only ones that were released. There's no way I can tell you definitively that the NFL knew the contents of every single email. However, the NFL did complete its investigation of the commanders, its workplace culture, with dozens and dozens and dozens of interviews, with access to emails and internal documents, and then assessed the largest fine in the history of the NFL and suspended Daniel Snyder for one year. How would the NFL possibly do that 
if it did not have access to all of the emails. And this goes back. We're not talking about just the last year before the investigation. We're talking about years, going back to when Bruce Allen was in the organization. Those emails were requested, public records acts type of things. The media actually went to court to try to get them unveiled and released. But because the NFL is a private organization, a a corporation, yes, it's got 32 owners, but it's still an oligarchy, so to speak. It's still its own corporation, its own company. They couldn't get access to those emails. And according to the NFL and other reports, they've been destroyed. Now, I don't know if there are electronic records. You would think that those could still be accessed at some point. However, I come back to my original point, my original thought, which is Daniel Snyder was punished heavily, even though he denied knowing that any of this stuff was happening. Now, you could say, okay, buck stops with the owner, and that's true. But the fact that the NFL took such great care to protect Daniel Snyder and others in the organization by deleting those emails or by hiding those emails makes me think that they had a vested interest in not seeing them go public because of what was in them. And I'm not saying it's beholden on the NFL because, again, the the rules are set by the owners. Roger Goodell works for them. They don't work for him. He's the CEO of this company, but he takes his marching orders from the owners. And so in their bylaws, maybe they choose to deal with these types of things internally. And yet the John Gruden emails were leaked. It's just all very greasy. Going back to what Carl Racine said as he announced this lawsuit, and if you don't mind, Jay, I'd like to hear from him again, as he's outlining the accusations, he's pointing to emails. He's pointing to electronic communication that very well could turn into evidence in their lawsuit. So I don't know if the NFL would be subpoenaed and have to turn it over or if they truly did, what, destroy every single hard drive that might have had emails on it? We allege that Mr. Snyder lied to D.C. consumers when he denied knowing anything, anything about the allegations of a hostile work environment and culture of sexual harassment. He directed his employees to create voyeuristic videos of partially clad cheerleaders from calendar shoots, from footage that the cheerleaders had no idea even existed. When Mr. Snyder was told about allegations of male executives and employees making unwanted sexual comments and propositions toward other employees, he was often dismissive. And you know the trick. He blamed repeatedly the victims. I've been in a situation where sexual harassment was rampant. And I spoke about it to my managers and to people above me on the food chain and was told, you're just going to have to live with it. That's just how it is. If you speak up, you're the one who loses work. I don't think I've ever been in this situation, but I know people who have. 
it's humiliating. And these cheerleaders, former cheerleaders, have spoken up about it. They have talked to not just members of the NFL who were investigating, but they've spoken to members of the media in some cases. Our friend Amy Dash, our CBS Sports Radio legal expert who's been on the show before, she actually did an interview, extensive interview with, I think, one of the cheerleaders, maybe more, in which they spoke out about what a violation this was and how it's affected them. And, and it's wrong. It's criminal. And so here is Carl Racine, the D.C. Attorney General, trying to get to the bottom of this, of all this. And I wonder how much access he will have, how much access the investigators will have. What is this, the fourth investigation? We've got the one that's still going on. Is it Mary Jo Black, I think her name is? Mary Jo, she's the one that's investigating a second time. An independent investigator hired by the NFL. Okay, so there's a second NFL investigation. There's the one coming from Capitol Hill that was just unveiled, was it last week or the week before? And now there's a, a lawsuit courtesy of the D.C. Attorney General. And he explains further why he decided to take this step against the commanders and others. The National Football League and its commissioner, Roger Goodell, Mr. Snyder, and the commanders misled the public about what was being done to address the allegations of harassment and the toxic culture that the commanders maintained. They did all of this to hide the truth, protect their images, and let the profits continue to roll. That's why we're suing Mr. Snyder, the commanders, the National Football League, and the commissioner, Roger Goodell. Because you can't lie to D.C. residents in order to protect your image, your profits, and get away with it, no matter who you are. D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine. By the way, her name is Mary Jo White from the category of You Can't Make This Stuff. Sorry about that. I sh- sometimes should be careful what I say off the cuff. Snyder and his family and the commander's front office. A lot of it's changed. A lot of their patterns have changed. The personnel, the names. There's been a, a house cleaning. But he should have to answer. The NFL seemingly has protected him and protected the franchise, but I'm not sure the league can protect him any longer, and the rest of the owners know it. The rest of the owners are apparently ready to cut bait. You do not want to get dragged down as a league by this one owner. They all know they have to protect their own business interests, and this is where they draw the line. This is where they cut them loose, which is why... I have zero doubts, which is why the timing coincides with he and his wife hiring a firm to investigate selling the commanders because they're not going to be able to run or hide any longer. Everything comes crashing down now. So we'll see the the results of these investigations. It's not one. It's not two. It's now three investigations on lawsuits into workplace culture, harassment allegations, and in some cases, criminal videos or criminal use of videos of women who didn't even realize that they were being, well, not that they were being filmed, but 
that these videos were out there were being shared company-wide. Again, humiliating. Humiliating and damaging to reputations and to the ability to do your jobs. On Twitter, ALaw Radio. On our Facebook page, too, a lot of you weighing in with photos and tributes from your veterans, the special veterans in your family or your circle of friends. We've got the latest from Buffalo and Josh Allen. He did not practice for a second straight day on Thursday, so we'll let you hear from a couple of his teammates and also Case Keenum. Will he be starting against his former team, the Vikings? You remember the miracle in Minneapolis or the Minneapolis miracle that knocked the Saints out of the playoffs? The 2017 season? And Ryan, we'll get to your phone call as well. Thanks for hanging out with us. Happy Veterans Day to you. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS. Baseball season is heating up. Odyssey has you covered with the most entertaining coverage of your team. Stay locked in and in the know with the local voices you trust as they bring you unfiltered takes, recap games, react to the latest team news, and talk to callers. Listen to your favorite shows for free on the Odyssey app, odyssey.com, your smart speaker, or in the car with Android Auto or Apple CarPlay. Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. I'm not going to get in the medical report. Um, should have said that to begin with. I'm not answering any more questions about Josh, uh, his status, medical report. I'm not a doctor to begin with. Um, so he is day to day. Is he going to play? We'll see. We'll take it one day at a time. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Okay, Bill Belichick. Oh, oh, I mean, Sean McDermott. Talking about Josh Allen doesn't want to give us any information. That's understandable because the Minnesota Vikings are a formidable opponent. Wait until you hear what Kirk Cousins was talking about pregame, though. (laughs) What he's been talking about all week. Great stuff. He is all of a sudden the rage. Kirk Cousins has become sneaky cool. But even if he's not cool, even if he's the complete opposite, which is what I am, people are still digging it. So it's Vikings into Orchard Park. We know it's a UCL sprain for Josh Allen. We know he did not practice the last two days. People are starting to reach out to me and ask whether or not it's panic time. I don't think it's panic time. What I think is that you are better served by keeping him out if you need to, if that gives him the time to heal, as much as it might be frustrating, a big matchup, it's at home, it's week 10, the Jets and Dolphins have the same number of wins. What? It's still the middle of the season. And the Bills are still in a good spot. And what they need is a Josh Allen who can survive the rigors of an 18-week, 17-game season-plus playoffs. Now, according to some of his teammates, Deion Dawkins, Vaughn Miller, eh, Josh Allen's the same old Josh Allen. You wouldn't even think that that there was nothing wrong. You know, he's he's around here. He's still smiling. He's still joking around. He's still just and just being Josh. Um, you know, I didn't even know that this was all like like going on until the question started. It's amazing like how Josh carries himself as a as a person and overall like as a human and uh, he's making us all confident and feel nothing about if there is anything like going on because we really 
I have no idea. Spirits is still high. He's still the same. Josh, we went over his house after the game. I didn't even know it was. I didn't even know he had an injury or anything like that. But we went over his house after the game, and everything was normal. And you know, I was on I was on uh, Twitch on Monday, um, streaming some Call of Duty, and, and everybody was like, oh, "Is yeah. Josh okay? Josh okay?" The only thing was wrong with Josh. And then you know, we get the news that he he injured his elbow. But you know, from him and his energy, like you know, he's the he's the same guy. He's the same guy. I'm, you know, I'm not too worried about it. If, he can't go, you know, um, then Case will step up. If, if Case can't go, then, you know, I have played some quarterback back in my day. <laughs> you know, we got oh, Stephon no. Diggs and, and Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie. You know, all of these guys, man, I can make a few plays. Not like those guys, but I can make some plays for them. Oh, my gosh. Vaughn Miller's offering himself up to be the quarterback if, in fact, the Bills are without Josh Allen. That's from the Pat McAfee show. And you can hear – I. I assume it's Pat or one of his co-hosts exclaiming when they were talking about playing Call of Duty at Josh's house. <laughs> it's after hours on, here. Uh, Twitch on Monday, um, streaming some Call of Duty. <laughs> but then the exclamation like right after this, oh yeah, or something, something behind the scenes. Uh, that's Vaughn Miller on the Pat McAfee show. Now, as much as Vaughn may want the high profile for just a, a few minutes, taking a couple of snaps at quarterback, I don't know. I guess he could have offered that to the Broncos that week in 2020 when they had no quarterbacks on the roster, <laughs> except for they needed him uh, if he was healthy to be able to be out there. Keith Keenum, obviously, is the backup, and he's got a lot of years logged in the league. Uh, he's 34, 10 seasons now in the NFL. I feel great. Yeah, I feel great. I'm doing the same thing I do every week. I prepare to play every week, every day, um, you know, every period, every practice, every meeting. Uh, so it's the, it's the same, just, you know, got a few more reps today. So, um, you know, I, I feel great, feel great with the, the communication, the mindset uh, of the team, of Doris, the communication from Sean, everybody, and, uh, you know, taking a day to time. 100%. I mean, you want me to come here and say zero, uh, but that's my guy. You know, me and Case go way back. Uh, he's a true pro. He's been around this league for a long time, so I anticipate him preparing the right way, him and Matt. So uh, giving those guys confidence from the receiver position, of course, uh, I told my guys, you know, regardless of whoever is out there, we got to still do our job, get open, catch the ball, you know what I'm saying, and try to get as many reps as we can during the week so we can build confidence and, you know, build that little, uh, we got a small window. So, you know, do what we can. Stephon Diggs raving about Case Keenum, former teammate with the Vikings, and now, of course, with the Buffalo Bills. Case says he feels good, uh, and he does have a lot of years logged. One of those seasons with the Vikings, and a lot of it is turned over, but he was the guy who threw the ball. Wasn't it Stephon Diggs who caught the ball with the Minneapolis Miracle? Okay, it's all coming back to me now. Uh, and so they all know him. A lot of them know him on the Minnesota side, those guys who've been there. But we're not letting Stefan off the hook just yet. Marco Belletti is here with us in studio. He made all kinds of waves because he tweeted rejoice earlier in the week, even as we were all waiting for information about Josh. No, I wasn't stirring shit up. Y'all need to stay off my Twitter. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, that could be construed a couple different ways. But yeah. The big one was, hey, Josh is going to be okay. I ain't, I ain't say nothing. Y'all better stay off Twitter. <laughs> We're going to keep that. That's fantastic. Really quickly, Ryan's in Pittsburgh. Ryan, welcome to After Hours CBS Sports Radio. Hey, Amy, thanks for taking my call. Sure. So uh, you said you're a big fan of Veterans Day, right? Well, I'm a fan of veterans and would like uh, to honor course. them on I mean, Veterans Day, yes. And so is half my family. Have you ever Good. talked about on your radio show about paid patriotism, which is where they do the flyovers, which is paid for by the DOD while the VA fails 
Or I'm going to ask you a question. Please don't cut me. <laughs> Do you like uh, talking about the NFL as a woman who cares about things when you got Tyreek Hill who, like, broke his own kid's arm? I want you to tell me that. I want your honest opinion. Yeah, no, I'll give you my honest opinion, Ryan. Thank you. I don't, I'm not going to talk about the flyovers. I don't know enough information or details to be able to speak about intelligently, so I'm not going to say something on a national radio show when I'm not informed. So I, I'm going to have to leave that alone. That's not my department. It's not my area of expertise. I love flyovers. That's what I know about them. Uh, as for Tyreek Hill or as for accusations against any other professional athlete, it is absolutely impossible for me to do my job, Ryan, if every single time I talk about an athlete, I bring up or think about his past, whether it's uh, a criminal accusation, whether it's decisions that I don't agree with. Uh, it can be something as stupid, not stupid, sorry, it can be something like cheating on his wife or his family. I can't do my job. And and please don't limit it to the NFL. It's every single league because these are human beings. They're grown males. None of us are perfect. And so, A, I'm not going to judge other people. I'm no one's God. B, when these situations come up, I talk about them on my show. I give you my opinion. I give facts. I remain objective as I can as a journalist. But I would never be able to do my job. It's a choice I had to make when I decided to be a talk show host that I cannot constantly invoke an athlete's personal life or I would not be able to do this. I'm not a moral compass. I'm not a judge. Again, I talk about these things when they happen. Kobe Bryant, Ben Roethlisberger. But every single time I bring athletes up, I can't also be talking about their transgressions or the accusations on them in the past because I couldn't do my job objectively. And so it may not be an answer that you want, but it's a choice I have to make. I can still enjoy the NFL. I can still enjoy football. I can still appreciate the game and be enthusiastic about my job and not condone the choices that other people make in their personal lives. That's, that's beyond the scope of my show. So I appreciate your phone call. Uh, sounds like you've got some stuff you got to work out. But thank you for listening. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. Top of the hour, Jim Bowden, as MLB free agency gets underway. We'll ask him about the big names like Aaron Judge. You are listening to the After Hours podcast. Respect all walks of life and embrace all walks of life. That's where I sit. I think what people want to hear though is yes or no on that question. Yes or no. I, I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. On the Kyrie front, when when we have news to share and updates, we, we will do so at the appropriate time. As of now, there's there's nothing to share. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. That was the latest from Nets general manager, Sean Marks. And that just happened on Wednesday when he said, we have no update when I have something to share. Essentially, you're on a need to know basis. And when you need to know, I will tell you. But Kyrie is suspended indefinitely. Don't let the five games fool you. This was an indefinite suspension that came with parameters, with specific requirements that Kyrie has to meet 
before he's allowed back on the court and back with his team. In the meantime, the Nets are playing well. You can say that has to do with Kyrie, that it doesn't, blah, blah, blah. He obviously wasn't playing well in a couple of games right before he had his suspension, but he's still a great player when he chooses to be. I think it's fairly obvious that Kyrie Irving does not have his focus on the the, the sport of basketball or the task of getting the Nets together or even the idea of making this a winning team. He opted into his contract because the team wasn't going to trade him and this was where he was going to get paid. But he's lost a lot of money in his relationship with Nike that appears to be severed. And we'll let you hear from Phil Knight here momentarily. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. MLB free agency, top of the hour, Jim Bowden, longtime GM and front office executive now with CBS Sports HQ and also with the Sirius XM MLB channel. Lots to monitor, lots to pay attention to since free agency is underway. So you hear from him coming up. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, Producer Jay just posted our After Hours Game of the Week poll. Oh, he's working on our After Hours Game of the Week poll. Our soccer poll is still live. And he's also retweeting your photos and your tributes, uh, your names, even if that's all it is, the names of veterans that you are sharing with us that you want to remember and to honor on this Veterans Day 2022. And I'm I'm always so honored that you would share them with us. So thank you. We do this show a couple of times a year on Memorial Day and Veterans Day. I know on our Facebook page, many of you are weighing in. Uh, I'll try to read some of those just because it's awesome. But one listener, Christopher, who I think said that he hasn't been, he's never heard the show before today. He sent us about seven or eight posts with uncles, with immediate family, with friends. He himself is a veteran. So thank you. If you served, thank you. Thank you for the sacrifices. Maybe you didn't realize the cost. Probably that's the case. You had no idea what what toll it would take, what price you would pay both home and away. But I am eternally grateful. And if this is such a small thing that I could do, but... It's an opportunity for us to share and to honor you and the people that you care about. So again, on Twitter, A Law Radio, or on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. The NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, is Jewish. I have no doubt that he can still be objective, though. I believe that Adam Silver has a big picture perspective and recognizes, I hope, what's best for the league, but also the 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 tide when it comes to Kyrie Irving. You may not have heard this or seen this, but there are more and more players who are starting to speak out or use their social media to say Kyrie needs to be back in the league. Kyrie can't be held hostage. You can't leave him out forever. LeBron James is the latest who used his Twitter and actually got lambasted by Candace Parker for not speaking out more quickly. But there are high-profile players who are now saying he needs to be allowed back. You can't just ban him from the league. So Adam Silver did an interview with the New York Times on Thursday. This is two weeks after Kyrie's post that promoted an Amazon link to a film that has anti-Semitic theories and anti-Semitic themes and also hoaxes like the Holocaust didn't actually happen. It wasn't real. 
So this interview occurred in Washington, D.C. after Adam Silver spoke at a conference. And there is no audio, so I'm going to, to read you some of the quotes. Silver told the New York Times, Kyrie is someone I've known for a decade. I've never heard an anti-Semitic word from him or, frankly, hate directed at any group. Whether or not he is anti-Semitic is not relevant to the damage caused by the posting of hateful content. Now, you may remember, Adam Silver wanted Kyrie to come out and say he's not anti-Semitic. He's not against Jewish people, against the Israel, uh, the nation of Israel, against Hebrews. He, he wanted that from Kyrie, and Kyrie refused to do it. He refused to do it. After he refused to do it, when the Nets finally allowed him to be in front of microphones... They said this is the last straw. We cannot condone this, and we can't allow Kyrie to get away with this, walking the tightrope. He also refused to apologize, which is what the NBA wanted and what the Nets wanted. And honestly, that's because Kyrie doesn't do what other people want him to do. Kyrie has to make his own mind up. He's a contrarian. If it's not Kyrie's idea, you try to tell him to do something, He's going to do the opposite just because. That's his personality. He prides himself on being different. But in this case, he apologized too late. He apologized hours later after he got suspended. He would not allow his pride to take a break, to take five, so that he could apologize. He was willing to die on that hill for a manner of speaking, and he got suspended indefinitely, only to apologize hours later. Adam Silver doesn't believe he's anti-Semitic. But he does say that criticism of the league and the Nets for not taking action sooner, quote, may be fair. So remember, there was a, an uproar, outrage, all kinds of people calling for him to get suspended, blah, blah, blah. And the league didn't move very quickly, nor did the Nets. And I think they were waiting for Kyrie to show some remorse or maybe some recognition of the damage and the harm caused by sharing a post like this. Adam Silver said the league wanted to do a bit of work and research to understand Irving's post before deciding how to proceed. And actually, that resonated with me because the first time I brought this up on the show, I said, I'm not prepared to talk about this film. I can tell you what other people say is part of this film that he promoted. But I've not seen it. And I'm not comfortable telling you, here's what's in it. Here's what I think about the movie because I didn't see it. And I don't know anything about it. So Adam Silver said he watched the film himself. Quote, once we did that investigation, it was clear to me that this was indeed hate speech. And we, together with the Brooklyn Nets, did respond. Now, Nike suspended its relationship with Kyrie on the heels of all of this. And longtime CEO Phil Knight believes the relationship with Kyrie may be over for good. Kyrie stepped over the line. It's kind of that simple. And uh, so he, he made some statements that we just can't abide by. And that's where we ended the relationship. And, yeah, I, I was fine with that. Well, I think, you know, obviously, Athlete Association has been key from the very beginning uh, and it's still key that uh, that we look, work that very hard. We look at uh, who we sign and how much we pay, and uh, we look not only how good the athlete is, but how what his or her character are. are. And uh, so uh, it's a it's not an exact science, that, uh, but it's a process that we go through with a lot of intensity, with a lot of people sticking their head in it. Uh, 
And uh, that's one that, uh, you know, it goes all the way to the CEO because some of the numbers that are paid are pretty big. Phil Knight of Nike indicating that the relationship is likely over and that they do consider character and personal decisions when it comes to their relationships with athletes. Now, they pay or did pay Kyrie Irving $11 million per year. I don't think we should be worried about his pocketbook, but that's a lot of money to lose. CJ McCollum is one of those NBA players who's coming out and saying, hey, these conditions that are put on Kyrie's return, it's asking a lot, especially when he's already said he's sorry. He's already showed empathy. He's already given his money. And so you're hearing more of that from the NBA fraternity. It's After Hours, CBS Sports Radio.